I'm Tass Mellis of The Starters. This is Ben Golver with the Open Floor Podcast. Hi, I'm Kristen Ludlow from NBA Inside Stuff. I'm OG Ananobi of the Toronto Raptors. Hey, I'm Elena Donon, and welcome to the Double Clutch. Double Clutch. Double Clutch. Double Clutch. Double Clutch Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Double Clutch Podcast. I'm your usual host, Mike Miller, and joining me on this bank holiday Monday, we had a couple of technical issues already. Uh, Kirk, if you can flip him up onto the screen for the abating audience to see, it's Mr. Mike Tuck. How you doing, sir? I'm doing great, man. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, for those who are tuning in from abroad, it is a spring bank holiday over here in the UK. And just like the Clippers... Uh, who inevitably disappoint year in, year out. This one, you know, just like the British summer, has actually turned up on time. And then we've had an absolute scorcher of a day here. So are you are you suitably um are you suitably burnt? Or have you managed to stay out of the sun a bit? No, I've I've got a little I'm a little pink today, a little pink, uh, but <laughs> it's nice to to get, catch some some rare British sun here. So uh it's been a nice weekend. Yeah, absolutely. I have gone and got the uh, the classic wore a basketball vest for a barbecue, uh, very pink shoulders, pink neck, uh, pink face, good, good, good old British barbecue costume ready to go. Um, okay, so for those who are not already following us, please do so at Double Clutch UK on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok and YouTube. There's a Discord channel, discord.me slash double clutch, where you can come and chat hoops with us every day of the week, 24-7. And you can watch us live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash double clutch UK or on YouTube. And for those who are tuned in and watching us live now, where we are still having a couple of technical difficulties, Mike appears to just have a screen at the minute, but I can see him. So that's all that matters. Um Kirk, can you fix that at all? Uh, but for those who are watching, thanks for coming out tonight. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with us, and we appreciate that. Um so let's let's just have a quick catch up, Mike. It's been what two weeks since you were last on the show, so <laughs> a lot has yeah, happened in good. that time. Uh, how, how are your off season plans going? Uh, off season is is going well. Uh, it's always nice to get some time off, but uh, I've actually been selected um, for the training camp for basketball England three three on three, uh, which starts up this week, uh, actually tomorrow in Manchester. So I'll be heading over to Manchester for the week, uh, involved in that whole training process. Um, so super excited about that. Um, and then, yeah. And then just gearing up for uh, next season. Yeah. So obviously you were captain of the, the England Commonwealth team in 2018 on the Gold Coast. So you're going uh you're gonna be part of this initial training camp for the three on three uh for Birmingham twenty twenty two, I want to say. Um, That's right. Yeah, Birmingham twenty twenty two. Since COVID's kicked in, I don't know what year it is. Um there's twelve of you going to be in this training squad. Uh there's I think there's a potential to play in a Europe Cup qualifier in Romania next month. I say next month, tomorrow is the next month, so I don't know how long that is into the future. So are you excited at um you know, the prospect of, of, of potentially representing England again abroad. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, there's, there's no better feeling than, than, you know, representing, representing your country. Um, so I'm, I'm super excited to just to be involved in it. Um, you know, three on three is, is a game that, um, I played a lot as a kid, you know, every summer we used to play in, in the, the NBA hoop it up tournaments in Toronto. And, um, so, I love three on three basketball and I think it's kind of catered to, to older guys anyways, you know, it's like, it's not full court, a little bit less running. 
Um, but it's, it's a great game. It's a fast game, you know, lots of shots, 12 second shot clock. Um, you need to be able to defend different positions and, and be able to pick and pop and shoot and slip. And so all, all kind of things that, that kind of cater to my game. So I'm, I'm super excited just to be involved. And yeah. And, um, uh, you know, if I, if I do make that, that final four man roster, uh, they play in a tournament in Romania on the 27th. So, um, everything would be gearing up towards that. That's tight. A four man roster. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah. Three, three guys on the court with one sub and, quick rotations and um but yeah it's in, it's interesting to see we'll see uh, how this training camp goes i've you know i've never had to uh train for three on three you know it's always been doing you know either individual skill work or five on five basketball so three on three will be uh, a lot different um been watching a lot of the FIBA tournaments in the last couple of weeks to kind of just clue up on different sets that they run and, and different actions and what works and what doesn't work. So uh, that, that's been really cool to kind of catch up on. So you've mentioned how it sort of plays to, to your game. Is there any ad- adaptations you've had to make? Well, we'll see. I mean, I think a lot of, there's going to be a lot of learn, learning curve stuff here um, in, in this, in this week trial here, but um it's a very physical game from what, from what I'm seeing and from talking to a few people that have been involved in some tournaments. Um, I've seen that they, the refs kind of let the, let you play a little bit more, which is, which is fine for me because I kind of play pretty physical anyways, you know, promote most of my career. I've been in foul trouble anyways. So, um, but yeah. And, and, and then it's just a lot of action is, is around the rim um, or behind the arc. You know, you don't see too much mid range game stuff. Um, the basketball is, um, the, a size smaller than, than the men's ball we play with. So we play with a size seven, the basketball is a size six, but it weighs the same as a size, a size seven. So, uh, I actually got, was able to get my hands on a basketball this week and, and was going and getting some shots up with it. It was it's super weird. The ball just, I, even though it's not, it's not heavier, it feels heavier and, shooting threes and stuff, you just have to, you kind of have to change your shot a little bit because it's, it's just, it's a different ball, completely different ball. It's got a different grip on it and everything. So, uh, that, that's been, you know, a learning curve for me this week. Yeah. That, that sounds like a massive, um, adjustment to make, like just given the, the, the sort of muscle memory that goes into being a shooter and then, uh, to, to bring it in at this point in, in a career, to that's the, that's a huge i couldn't even get my head around that i mean i i hated it when they switched from uh what were they they used to be badens and they switched them to moltons and uh, that that was enough for me <laughs> not not that i even played at anywhere near your level um so three on three obviously uh it seems to be the the, the big thing now um i think it's Rittle college campus have just put out a massive purpose-built three on three court the first one in the uk obviously it's the first time it's going to be at the commonwealth games next year uh do you think there's an opportunity here for it to, to take off and, and help build the five uh five on five sort of audience as well yeah i think i think that's it i think they, they both kind of they trickle into each other they play they both play to each other um three on three has been building up probably over the last five years, it's really tried to started to make a, a step up. Um, you know, we're seeing a lot more FIBA sanctioned tournaments, you know, all around the world where, you know, 
countries are entering teams or even, you know, independent people are just entering teams and there, and there's big prize pots to win and stuff like that. So the, 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 the future of three on three looks bright this year will be the first year that it's played in the Olympics. And I think that will, you know, put a major spotlight uh, on the sport there. Um, and then, yeah, like we said, the first time in the Commonwealth games. So it's exciting. I'm excited to be involved. I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, you know, and it's, you know, just, just, just a fun game. And like, if, if you haven't played three on three, you know, it's, it's, it's playground basketball type vibe, you know, let's go down to the, go down to the, your, your, your local outdoor court and just get out there and, and grind it out. So it's, it's a great game. Awesome. Well, best of luck with that. Um, we're going to jump into some NBA action now. Uh, Kirk, do you want to roll a tape? Cause Mike can kick his feet up, have a cup of tea and we're going to go around the association. It's been a heck of a week in the NBA. Uh, on Monday night, the Bucks smashed the Heat 132-98 to behind Yanis' 31-13-6 and uh, to take a 2-0 series lead. They also got 37 points from Drew Holiday and 28 from Chris Middleton, bouncing back from a dismal 16.1% from three in game one to hit 41.5% from downtown. There's a heck of a lot of action to get through tonight, so I apologise in advance. Uh, the Nuggets also smacked the Blazers 128 to 109 to tie the series 1-1, with Jokic dropping 38-8-5. The Blazers got a classic Dane performance as he put up 42, including nine threes with 10 assists. Utah Jazz guard Jordan Clarkson was announced as the winner of the sixth Man of the Year award finishing ahead of Jazz teammate Joe Ingles. New York's Derek Rose finished third. On Tuesday night, Brooklyn jumped out to a 130-108 to win over the Celtics behind 26 points from KD, 25 from Joe Harris and 20 from James Harden. No Celtic brought the t- broke the 20-point mark. The Lakers tied their series with Phoenix 1-1 behind 34-10-7 from AD. Chris Paul clearly labouring had six points and five assists with three turnovers whilst being limited to just 22 minutes of action. The Mavericks took a commanding 2-0 lead on the road in LA as they beat the Clippers 127-121. to Luka had 37-7-7. Kawhi Leonard had 41-6-4. In the aftermath, immediately people began writing off the Clippers and questioning the future of this team and their place in Los Angeles. I even heard rumours of back to, of, of moving the franchise to Seattle. Julius Randle, the first Nick in franchise history to average 20 points, 10 boards and 5 assists in a season, was announced as the winner of the Most Improved Player Award. Detroit's Jeremy Grant and Denver's Michael Porter Jr. placed second and third respectively. Wednesday night's action was overshadowed by fan incidents at all three games. The Sixers waxed the Wizards 120 uh, to 105, with Ben Simmons putting up 22, 9 and 8 to take a 2-0 series lead. A fan, I use air quotes, was banned indefinitely for pouring popcorn over Russell Westbrook. The Knicks got their first playoff win in eight seasons with a 101-92 victory over the Hawks, tying their series at 1-1. The Knicks fans handed out flyers with a chant on the night, Trey is balding, which as a man who is follicularly challenged, I took personally. Um, That fan, well, I say that, another fan was banned indefinitely for spitting on Hawks guard Trey Young as well, uh, which is I'm not sure of many ways that spitting on someone could become more disgusting, but during a global pandemic where viruses are transmitted by droplets, that's, that's, yeah, that's gross. Um, 
absolutely horrific. Can't quite get past that. Uh, the Utah Jazz tied their series with Memphis Grizzlies at one apiece with a 141 to 129 win as Donovan Mitchell returned to the court for the first time in seven weeks. Grizzlies star Jar Morant dropped a franchise record 47 points. The feat meant he'd put up the most points in his first two playoff games since George Mikan in 1950. Sadly, Morant's parents were both subjected to racial and sexist abuse from three Utah fans who the Jazz banned indefinitely. These incidents led the league to release a statement on fan behaviour. The return of more NBA fans to our arenas has brought great excitement and energy to the start of the playoffs, but it's critical that we show respect for our players, officials and our fellow fans. An enhanced fan code of contact will be vigorously enforced in order to ensure a safe and respectful environment for all involved. On Thursday night, the Bucks tightened their grip on their series, beating down the Heat 113 to 84 on Miami's home court. A team effort, six Bucks scored in double figures compared to just three from the Heat. The Lakers took a two on the lead over the Suns with a 195. 109, 195, 109 to 95 dub. The AD versus DA battle of the bigs is becoming one of the great parts of the series. CP3's shoulder continued to hamper him and media voices started pouring out one for the seemingly inevitable end of the Suns' Cinderella season. Denver squeezed out a 120 to 115 victory over the Blazers to take a 2-1 lead, as despite Jokic and Lillard going toe-to-toe with monster stat lines. It was Austin Rivers' threes in the fourth quarter that stole the headlines. Rivers, as a reminder, started the season as a Nick, was traded to the Thunder after 21 games, who immediately cut him on March the 28th. After almost a month without a team, and probably only because Jamal Murray was injured, Denver picked him up and now he's become a key contributor for them. Friday the 28th of May saw people all around the league celebrate an iconic man's birthday. It was, of course, Jerry West, the logo, celebrating his 83rd. And we got another three games on the docket. The Hawks took a 2-1 lead over the Knicks following a 105-94 victory in the ATL. Trey Young dropped 21-14 and Derek Rose continued to amaze with 30 points, 6 rebounds and 5 assists. In Boston, the Celtics protected their home court, beating the Nets 125-119. James Harden's 41-7-10 wasn't enough as Jason Tatum dropped the first 50-piece of the playoffs to go with 6 boards and 7 assists. Elsewhere, despite dropping 44-9-9, the Clippers spoiled Luka's home court playoff debut. The silent killer, Kawhi Leonard continued to put up numbers with 36-8-3 and and Luca also suffered what appears to be a nerve issue in his neck. We were blessed with another early game on uh, Saturday, I think it was, as the Bucks stomped on the Heat 120-103 uh, to complete their, their revenge quest following last season's bubble exit in the second round and sweep the Heat in four games. The Bucks were down seven at the half but turned on the Jets in the third and never looked back. Bryn Forbes stepping up for the injured Dante DiVincenzo had 22 going 7 for 14 from three. DiVincenzo will miss the remainder of the playoffs with a tendon injury in his foot. The Blazers beat the Nuggets 115-95 to to tie the series at 2-2. Having carried the load for so long Dame had an uncharacteristically quiet night, but the Blazers rallied behind 29 points from Norman Powell and 21 from CJ McCollum to split the series, which heads back to Denver on Tuesday night. Philly continued to dominate Washington with a 132-103 victory and a commanding 3-0 grip on the series. Joel Embiid dropped a playoff career-high 36 points that should wrap up the series tonight. Uh, they, they play and it there's no way the Wizards are coming back from this one at all. Um, Utah got back on top with a 121-111 to victory on the Memphis Grizzlies. It was a battle between Grizzlies of old and new as Mike Conley dropped 27-6-8 versus Jal Morant's 28-3-7, which included an in-game playoff 360 dunk. Wow. I, I love Jal Morant. I can't get over how good this kid is. Um, in some other news, 
Zamalek from Egypt defeated US Monastir from Tunisia 76-63 to win the inaugural Basketball Africa League Championship. Walter Hodge from Zamalek was named the Hakim Olajuwon BAL Most Valuable Player after leading his team to an undefeated 6-0 record with per-game averages of 15.5, 5.7 and 5 rebounds. Uh, on Sunday... The Hawks beat the Knicks 113-96 to to take a 3-1 series lead. Gallinari had an efficient 21 points on just nine shots. And Knicks head coach Tom Thibodeau kept Julius Randle on the court even when the game was beyond reach to try and give his star a chance to find some rhythm ahead of a big game in MSG this Wednesday. Chris Paul appears to have been, you know, injected with Chris Paul's special stuff because he's recovered from his shoulder injury looking much better as the Suns beat the Lakers 192 as he, and he dropped 18 points with 9 assists and 3 steals a solid team effort saw 6 Suns drop double figures the Lakers meanwhile are holding their breath as AD suffered a groin injury landing awkwardly on DeAndre Ayton's foot reports are suggesting AD is likely out for game 5 with the series now tied at 2-2 going into Tuesday's game of Phoenix. The Nets held off another Jason Tatum scoring outburst as they outgunned the Celtics 141-126 in a display of offensive synchronicity. Kyrie Irving dropped 39-11 and appeared to rub his foot on the Celtics logo face at the end of the game. This led to another fan incident as as Irving had a bottle of water thrown at him. Cole Buckley, 21, was banned for life from TD Gardens and has been arrested and charged with assault and battery by means of a dangerous weapon. Game 5 is on Tuesday night. And finally, the Beyond Help Clippers levelled their series at 2-2 with a 106-81 takedown of the Mavs team uh, that are really struggling to cope with Luca's injury. Luca still dropped 19-6-6, which is out of character, though still pretty impressive. And the 81 points they were held to was the second fewest the Clippers have given up in a postseason game in franchise history. That was a heck of a week to go through. Mike, how many cups of tea did you get through while I was doing that? <laughs> I could probably do a, a whole bucket. <laughs> it's been a busy week. There's been so many games going on every night and there's so much like that just needs commenting on. So what was what was your moment of the week? Uh, my moment of the week. Um well, the one that stood out to me last night was the uh, Caruso off the backboard to LeBron. I absolutely love that play. That was ridiculous. But I think another one was uh, the John Morant 360. Like, it just looked like a video game, that that play. It was just absolutely insane. What what a special player he is. Well, absolutely. Like, I remember um, Paul George threw a 360 down in a regular season game, didn't he, a few years back, and people lost their mind there. And now you've got a much smaller guy throwing it down in a playoff game, it's just that guy's leaping ability is insane. Some of his, some of the best photos of him admittedly are like on missed dunks where he gets blocked or whatever, but just how athletic he is, how high he gets and how far he's taken off from. It's just insane. That guy is just, he's absolutely something else. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We're going to, we're going to jump into a slightly more serious topic. Um, which is obviously the fans have returned to arenas, but we've seen four incidents which have been, quite frankly, despicable. Um, We had a listener question along these lines as well, um, which basically, uh, as I mentioned in in Around the Association, we've had uh, Trey Young being spat on, Westbrook having popcorn thrown at him. We had Jar Morant's parents being subject to verbal uh, abuse. We've had Kyrie have a bottle of water thrown at him. Um, In your opinion, do you think that that these incidents are... what do you think of these incidents? And as disgusting as they are, are you worried this could potentially cause a trend for future playoff games? That comes from Richard Fang. 
Yeah, it's it's obviously it's disgusting, and, and you you don't want to see any of this. And and I'm you know I think that um, the reaction to it has has been the right one, and I think that there's guys you know that were on on the wrong end of it that I think that everyone handled it pretty well, uh, all considering. But it's it's just blowing my mind. Is it just that that people haven't been allowed out of the house for for a year? So as soon as they they get back in, they're just a little bit giddy and and going wild and and uh, just don't know how to to handle themselves. It's uh, it's pretty scary. And and I always think back to uh, you know the fans have a short memory because I think back to Detroit and the malice and the palace. You know when when a bottle got thrown uh, on the court. And all of a sudden there were, there was, you know, players up in the stands just throwing, throwing punches. So I'm, I'm really happy about the way that the the players have handled it. Um, but it's, it's, it's disgusting to see this trend. And I guess because it's the playoffs, everyone, everyone is fired up and the fans first time back in, but you know, we gotta, we have, we have to be better uh, in, in, in this whole thing. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I mean, maybe it is, you know, you've had a, you've had, over a year now where you've been essentially isolated from society as we know it, maybe they've forgotten. And I don't want to make excuses for them because it's it's inexcusable. Um, I think the NBA has done the right thing. Uh, well, I say the NBA, the arenas have done the right thing in banning the fans. I don't like the use of indefinite. That suggests there's a, a way back and I'm not really sure that there should be. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe you can redeem yourself from throwing popcorn, but spitting on another person. No, not, not for me. Um, I think the NBA's right to sort of double down though with the releasing the statement about enhanced procedures and things like that. Um I'm, I'm, weirdly in the back of my mind, I think around March Madness time you put a tweet out or something about some of your memories with with college fans and things they would shout at you like what what's the sort of things you've experienced during your career? Uh, all all types. I mean, I mean I I remember at at school when I was at school in the states, we would have there would be so many fans behind our bench, especially at the away games. And they're, they were just chirping you, chirping you all game. I remember some people would Google stuff. They'd be yelling your parents' names or they'd, they'd try and find out any little thing about you. Um, fast forward my first year as a pro in Cyprus. Uh, I've been at a gym where a riot has broke out and fans have stormed the court before. Uh, they have, they had shields above every single bench to block the fans and one game, we the the bench wasn't big enough, so the shield didn't cover all our guys. So there was two guys on the end of the bench, two of the water boys, and the fans were just spitting on their backs the whole game to the point where I looked over and the guys' shoulders were literally all soaking wet. So um, I've seen it before. I've seen them flick uh, cigarettes on the court before. Um, so it's 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 nothing that that I, I I'm new to, but it's. Um, I think in the, in the NBA's case here, um, they, you know, what can you do? Like the arenas have to press the charges, but I think we have to name and shame these people. And I think they've, they've mm. done a little bit of a good job of that too. We've seen a few of the guys faces and their names, you know, all across social media and stuff. And it's just, you know, put them, put them up name and shame, put them up on a billboard and, and, um, make an example out of them. Yeah. It shouldn't be, you know, there's, there's, there's no place for it. In, in professional sports, in, in any walk of life. If you wouldn't do it in walk of life, why would you do it to someone you're watching in a you know professional uh, sporting event? And I get that ultimately basketball is an entertainment product, but you can't 
you, you wouldn't go to any other form of entertainment and pelt someone with something unless it was like, you know, medieval stoning or something ridiculous, which is, I don't know why my mind's just gone there. I've suddenly gone into <laughs> one different Monty Python films now. Um, we had another question from Richard Fang on the similar thing. Um, the viral video of, of Kyrie, uh, quote, violating the Celtics logo after the game last night um, had surfaced on the internet. What are your opinions on this? Obviously, from the clip, after the game, he walks up and sort of puts his face, uh, puts his sneaker on the the face of the lucky the leprechaun and and sort of stamps it out. Really, um, what what was your thoughts to that? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm more of a take the high road kind of guy, so I thought it was a little bit childish. But obviously, Kyrie has a history with with with, uh, with Boston. You know, he I think he. Uh, he just does not have good memories from being there. I think he had a lot of pressure on him when he was there. And I think, um, I don't know if the, the fans or whatever, I'm not sure if they they have the best relationship with, on, with him, but there's been times where I think it was earlier this season when the first time he played back in that arena and he was burning sage and walking around the mm-hmm. arena. So I think he carries a little bit out there to begin with, but you know, something like that, it's a little bit childish, but it plays into the narrative. This is the playoffs and, and uh, you know, these guys take it seriously and, and, you know, there's that passion, that fire, you know, um, that, that they're showing, but, you know, maybe a little, little bit too much. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I get why some people are, uh, are not happy with it. Um, I understand that sort of high road thing. What, what I love is that we complain as a, uh, in sport in general, but particularly the NBA, we complain that, you know, the league's soft, the rivalries have gone, everyone's friends now. And here we have an example of someone who who is sort of creating, as you said, like a narrative. There is a specific thing he's doing here uh, that's creating more of a rivalry. And I kind of like that because, you know, we talk about historic rivalries, um, you know, the, the Bulls-Pistons having to go through that sort of period, uh, even like the, the Jazz and the Rockets in the 90s, the Spurs and the Rockets. Um, I like that we're seeing someone inject a... I don't think physicality is the right word because obviously the league's removed it from in-game now, but like there's there's something they're doing that's outside of the, the game to spike a rivalry. And I would have liked... It makes me want the Celtics to win game five, just so he has to go back to Boston again. But I don't, I think there's a line to be, that can be drawn with, you know, never throw things at them, uh, at them, at players. Never, you know, there's, I don't think some of the things they say is, are acceptable either. Like I, you know, if, if you, if you had spent, you know, the last two games with someone shouting F you, whatever, you know, just getting on you constantly, then I wouldn't, you know, there's part of me that would like to give them some kind of sneaky middle finger as I walked off the gym with a victory, but um, I don't know. I don't know. I kind of, I kind, I kind of can get on with it. It's it. I, I like the way it sort of creates a punchiness to this series, even though it's it's all but wrapped up. Yeah, I, I think it it just adds another level, right? It shows you that you know that he's not just showing up to do a job. He's taking this for real. Like he's, you know, this is something that's gotten under his skin. So he's taking it personal, but just, just to echo off that, uh, I think Westbrook said it right the other day when he was said, you know, I would, I would never come into your job and, and throw popcorn on you. So I think at the end of the day, the fans have to realize that, um, these guys are going to work and, you know, you shouldn't have to, you know, you shouldn't have to be subject to any type of physical abuse, you know, at work. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure 
it's, uh, you know, the booze and, and, and like a little bit of light, you know, chanting and all that is, is fine. But it, when you, when you start saying slurs or being extremely disrespectful, you cross a line. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Um, okay, let's let's move on. Uh, the first series that wrapped up uh, is the Bucks Heat, which was uh, a bit of a surprising sweep. Did you have the Bucks coming out of this in a, in anywhere near just four games? Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't think they were going to do a sweep, but um, I I just I I like the Bucks. Um, they're just a, they just look like a different team this year, and, and obviously Miami, a little bit more depleted and not the same team that we saw. Uh, in in the bubble, but I didn't expect it to be uh, by this bad. They just absolutely whooped them, and there, were, there was no looking back. And and for me, for the Bucks, the the two guys that that I see on the Bucks that they added, uh, and and Drew Holiday and PJ Tucker, just add just another level of grit uh, to this Bucks team. I think you know they're already an extremely solid solid team, but adding those two guys, um, you know, gives you play at, at both end, you know, defense at both end, you know, Drew, Drew holiday is probably one of the best perimeter defenders in, in the league. And then, you know, a guy like PJ Tucker who can literally guard pretty much every single position on the floor. They also spread the floor out and open things up. So it gives, you know, more opportunity um, for, for Giannis to, to work, do his work down the middle. <sighs> yeah. I think that's one of the big things this year with the bucks is that, that last year it was, so Yanis centric, everything went through Yanis, and essentially the the Heat were able to game plan to cut the head off the snake. They built that wall. Uh, they did fan- a fantastic job of of just throwing him out of his rhythm. And the other Bucks players at the time weren't capable of of sort of carrying the load. What we've seen in this series is that his his points per game have dropped significantly. I think they're down to about twenty three. But you've got guys like Drew Holiday. I think he had a thirty seven point game. Um, yeah which is something we would never have seen from from Eric Bledsoe. Uh, they just seem much more of a team, much more um, multi, uh, you know, multiple weapons to, to, to go at someone. So if you do take Yanis out, that's fine. They can beat you with the other guys, which bodes well for the next sort of series. There are going to be series where a team can't stop Yanis, and then we're going to see him go back to, you know, MVP sort of, level of, of, of uh, stats I mean the, the next next round could be the Nets will be the Nets it's going to be the Nets let's face it the, the Celtics can't come back from this he says Touchwood uh, now, now we're going to have a seven game series and Boston will go through um, how excited are you for a Nets Bucks series and how do you see them sort of matching up oh that that, that is going to be uh, extremely extremely juicy series that's probably going to be the best series in, in, in the East and in, in that second round, um, you know, Brooklyn are just what a team, you know, the, the depth that they have uh, with, with, you know, they're, they're, they're three, they're three stars there. Um, and nobody's really talking about uh, Kevin Durant, like Kevin Durant sat out for, you know, an entire season with one of the worst injuries that you could get in basketball, if not the worst injury. And then now he's come back halfway through, through this season um, and he's leading the playoffs and scoring with, you know, um, I think 35 points a game or something like that. Um, and he's, he's, it's not like he's a spring chicken either. You know, he's, he's, he's in his, I think he's 32. So, uh, he, he's just, he's doing a, a great job. And I think having James Harden 
moving him to the point was probably the best thing that they could do. I think he had like an 18 assist game last game. Mm-hmm. He's so he for Harden, you know, he's still, he's going to get, he's going to give you his, his buckets. He's going to give you, you know, that 10, that 20, that 25 points, maybe 30 points a game, but he's creating for so many other guys now. And, and, um, Kyrie is, is a much better off ball guard, you know, coming up, playing, playing at the two, obviously you can play, play the one, but I think making that, that, that switch has been, uh, really good. So it's going to be interesting to see how, how they're, they're going to match up with each other. Who, who's going to defend, defend Durant? Are they going to put Durant and on Giannis? And I'm super excited for that series. Yeah. It's going to be crazy because the Bucks, despite the fact they've, they've, at least statistically dropped back defensively this season. I don't think they are anywhere near. Uh, I think they're better than what their defensive stats suggest. This they've, they've been open that they were trying to implement new things and practice in a season without a training camp. So I think they're going to be an excellent defensive team in this series, but I don't think they're going to be as good as the Nets are offensively. And I think if this is a team that can put 140 points up, I don't think the Bucks can hang fire with that. But at the same time, I just, Giannis is is just phenomenal. I, I'm trying to think how they can stop him. But ultimately, if you were to to pick, you know, the, usually the team with the best player in a series wins. And I would say quite easily that out of the top four players, only one of them is a buck. And I, I think that's ultimately what it's going to come down to. Um, people will obviously jump on the back of that and look at Coach Bud. Because they've been people have been baying for Coach Bud's sort of exit from this role for for what two postseasons now. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think there there should be pressure on him at all if if they do lose in this second round? This is I mean this is a historically great offense they'll be facing. I mean the the thing with Coach Bud is like he's just he's always done so well throughout the regular season. I think you know what was it last season? I think they had a 60, 60 uh, game win or whatever. This year they finished third in the East. They're always extremely solid, but it was always for him in the playoffs. Could he, could he make those adjustments uh, like live, you know, from game to game? And, and we saw that, that he, w- he wasn't the past two playoffs. He hasn't been able to do that. Now saying that he's got a different cast. And I think, you know, I always look over to Drew Holiday because I think he is, he's so good with the ball. I think he's really good at organizing a team. And I think he's a big, he's a big part of their, their success this season. Um, but yeah, Bud. Bud is, you know, he's he was he's been on the chopping block, you know. So uh, I think they 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 got to make something happen here because you know Giannis isn't getting any younger, um, and they need to get some success going there because Giannis is way too good of a player not to have, have any type of you know major playoff success yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I'm getting some heat in the uh, in the Twitch uh, chat for someone pointing out that I picked the Heat to win in seven. Yeah, Uh-oh. I did. That was that close because I didn't know. I mean, based on what I'd seen last series where they, they seem to have an answer for everything the Heat did, I genuinely expected them to be a lot better than they were now. I was on the fence as to who would win it. That's why I've picked seven games and I got it wrong. I don't, I don't really care. I don't, I've got no problem with that. I, I thought it would be, be a lot closer series than a four-game sweep. I wouldn't think this means for the Heat because obviously the, the Jimmy Butler timeline and the Bam Adebayo timeline are, are, are different. Um, and they've obviously traded away assets for Victor Oladipo, who's now, you know, obviously he, they haven't had him, him in the postseason. He's out recovering from a, a, another surgery on his quad. How do you see them sort of bearing up in, in the, the season to come? 
I don't know. It's, it's tough. I mean, I, th- I think, you know, that run that they had last year was great, but obviously the team was a little bit different and they had a few guys that were on the team that were, you know, flying under the, under the radar kind of with, with hero and guys like that. So it might be time for a rebuild down there. We'll see. And um, Jimmy's, is Jimmy's contract up at the end of this season? That's a good question. I think, I think when he signed it. So I don't know. It could be a potential rebuild. Like I think losing Crowder was huge for them as well. And, and Crowder on the Suns now has been incredible. So uh, it's the heat made that run in the bubble when, when no one else could, but um, I don't see them sticking together anymore much longer. Okay. Jimmy's contract is 34.3 million this year, 36 million next year, and then a player option in 22-23 at 37.6. Which you got to think at his age at that point, he's probably going to opt into the 37.6. Yeah. So so maybe he's. It's going to be interesting because there have been some sort of undercurrents there about him. Again, he seems to have this sort of fractious relationship with. A team. He had it in in Chicago. He had I didn't it. Get that. Um, well, my watch is talking to me. Excellent. Um, <laughs> had it in Chicago. He had it in uh, Minnesota. Obviously, famously, even in Philly, there was the talk of you know in in Brett Brown's uh, video sessions. He he sort of spoke out openly there. There's sort of rumblings that it's happening now. Um, it's always going to happen once a team loses. There's going to put a magnifying glass over Jimmy Butler and say, is he the reason? He obviously didn't have the best series ever. Uh, what, what do you sort of make of him this postseason? Any particular reason you think he couldn't do what he did in the bubble? Yeah, it's, it's funny because uh, we, me and Jimmy actually have the same agent. So my agent's name is from Toronto. His name is uh, Bernie Lee. So I, I get some little bits of insights on, on, on Jimmy and Bernie says he's, he's Jimmy is a different dude, you know, but he's, he's super passionate. And I think in the media kind of, maybe he's portrayed as the bad guy in, in some situations, but I think at the end of the day, he just, he's passionate. Uh, he wants to win and he's, he's willing to do whatever it takes to win. But it is, uh, it is becoming a little bit of a theme with him now where we're seeing, you know, he's, he takes jabs at, at the front office or, or at the coaching staff. Um, so, you know, it's tough. You, you don't want to, uh, you don't want to alienate yourself in, in certain situations, especially, especially when you're losing. Um, but yeah, he, you know, he, he, he didn't, he didn't step up, um, uh, throughout the playoffs, we, you know, we typically we would see much bigger performance out of him. He only averaged about 14 points a game and we need, you know, we need a guy like that to be up in the, in the 20, 25 points a game range. So, um, you know, I think at the end of the day with the, with the heat, they just didn't have enough firepower to, to match, uh, what the bucks have, um, you know, from, from the, the one to the, to the five in the starting lineups. So, so your agent's the same agent. This is just taking a different turn. Um, <laughs> so, did you see the tweet when Shams reported there was uh, sort of a, uh, <clears throat> not dissension, but there was an issue between uh, Jimmy and the front office because there was a uh, tweet from an agent which was expletive laden about how Shams didn't know what he was talking about. Uh, so, I'm putting two and two together and put coming up with. Oh, I'm going to have to look it up now because I didn't know the agent's name, but I'm going to have to look it up to see whether that's your agent uh, tweeting that out, which would be epic. I'm going to look it up right now. You're going to look it up right now. But uh, yeah, I'm trying to remember where, when it was, but uh, basically uh, an agent, of, and I'm assuming Jimmy only has one. I know that sometimes they work in pairs within the same 
agency. Yeah. Uh, but so yeah, no, it wasn't it wasn't my agent because he's not on Twitter. But there you go. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was so, that, that almost got really exciting. Somebody <laughs> it could have been somebody most likely involved or or in the same circle. Fair enough. Awesome. Um <laughs> Let, let's quickly uh, touch on the Clippers and the Mavs. Uh, what's your take on this very strange series so far where no team has won a home game? Yeah, it's been, um, it's been a great one to watch. I mean, my, my favorite thing in it is, is watching Luca and, and his whole energy throughout this, this whole series, the, the him and the Pat, Pat Bev matchup has been great. You know, just seeing them jaw at each other every night and, and just the fire and the passion, um, you know, Luca has some, monster performances, you know, 44 points. He's averaging 38 points or somewhere around there for the series. But we saw last game, uh, this issue with his next strain, um, play into it, play into it a little bit. And I, you know, see him on the sidelines. He looks like he's super frustrated. Um, we'll be interesting to see how, how that, that, that plays into it moving forward. Yeah, it, it speaks to their lack of depth that, you know, even even 19 points, six assists, six rebounds isn't a bad outing. It's maybe not what you'd expect from Luca, but it should be enough to get the team into a position where they could win. So then to only put up 81 points is pretty pretty poor and, and sort of, again, just lack of, of, of talent around him. And that's not meant to be disrespectful because I appreciate Chris Epps. Phil Zingas Zing is, is great when healthy. Tim Hardaway Jr. has been fantastic. Dorian Finney-Smith, I, I really like him as a player. They just, for some reason, they're not what, they're, they're never going to be better than what they are now, really. They are a first round team, maybe a second round team. Um, I'd like to see more talent around them. I'm sure that Luca is the kind of marquee player that can bring more talent uh, in free agency around him. Um, the Clippers seem to get so much, I'm going to swear, but so much shit, quite frankly. Uh, anytime they, they sort of lose a couple of games, um, do, do you think that's fair? That Quietly here, Kawhi is putting up almost as good a numbers as Luca, and yet no one talks about him. Yeah, he's the he's the the silent killer, the guy who just kind of always just flies around under the radar. But I think this is the Kawhi that we are used to seeing in, in the playoffs, you know, he's kind of showing up more than more so than he did in, in, in the bubble. Um, Kawhi is the type of guy who can put the team on his back. You know, we've, we've seen him, we've seen him do it on multiple times with multiple different teams um, with the, with the Clippers. I mean, in this series, like you said, I think it's the, the depth thing comes into play. You know, if you look down, down the line, the Clippers just, you know, you, you've got, Kawhi, Paul George, you know, you've got Nicholas Batum, Reggie Jackson. There's just, you know, the list goes on. Mark, uh, Markeith Morris, Marcus Morris, sorry. Uh, Serge, Rajon Rondo, like they're, they're just, there's a lot of depth and there's a lot of experience and a lot of playoff experience, um, in there. So, um, it's, it's an interesting series though, because literally, uh, like Luca is just kind of putting the, the other, uh, putting the Mavs on his back right now. And, I don't know if he's going to be able to do that because we can already see, you know, neck injuries and other things cropping up like that. Will he be able to do that through, throughout a whole seven game series? Yeah. Fingers crossed. He recovers quickly enough for, for game five. Cause it will be disappointing not to get peak Luca. Like if I, if, if the Mavericks lose, I want it to be because, you know, Luca's left everything on the floor, not because they're injured. Um, 
let, let's move on uh, to, because we're running long on time already, <laughs> but uh, let's, Kurt, do you want to play Nothing But Nick for us? Nothing But Nick's Silly Nonsense. Okay, so 17 years after Friends last aired, the Friends reunion has been hugely popular. I think this came out on the, the 27th on last Thursday. I have, I've not seen it yet. Uh, but the question is, if you were able to document a similar style reunion from the world of basketball for basketball fans, what would it be and why? What? So about a certain team or a certain playoff or, or what? Whatever you want. Any Any sort of... Like for for me, I mean, I would like to see a non-Jordan Bulls like last dance rebuttal. So all the people who got, yeah, and I'm a massive Jordan stan, but like Horace Grant got crapped on in that in that documentary. I'd like to see him, you know, with B.J. Armstrong, Scotty Pippen, sat around talking about their experience of going through that uh, uh, those initial three championships, and then bring in the you know the Steve Kerr's and and uh, the Judd Bushlers and everyone like that for the second series. Uh, I also think the Warriors team that went seventy three and nine and then lost to the you know the three one Cavs comeback game seven. I would like to see them do a similar reunion as well, just to you know just to hear what they they had on it all gotcha okay well i i, I always go back to my raptors because i'm uh, obviously born and raised raptors guy uh i go back to 2001 uh the playoffs uh where we were in the conference semifinal uh against the 76ers alan iverson um and vince carter had had uh he'd been doing he'd been finishing up his school while he was with the raptors and flew down to the graduation uh, and flew back up. I think it was for game seven or game six, I believe. And then he, we ended up losing that game on a, on a three point shot that he missed. So I'm just, if I could go back and just get Vince to not go down to the graduation and maybe just focus on the playoffs <laughs> at the time, that, that, that would be my, uh, my little reunion moment. <laughs> well, I can't believe it. you. So do you, do you actually feel that, if he hadn't gone, that shot goes in. I, I feel like we would have, I feel like we would have pulled out that series. I feel like there's too much going on, too much extra stuff. I think you, you need to be locked in on your job. You're not, you're not, you shouldn't be flying out and taking flights the day of the game. You know, he showed up at the gym about three hours before the game, out getting off an airplane. Yeah. And then he was it the next season he forced his way out in a, in well, a trade. Yeah, and then the Toronto media turned on him, and then all of a sudden he was just the bad guy, and he just kept saying he was injured and not playing games, and it was all downhill from there. Man, so that's not, that's not a bad the, shout. We made the conference final, potentially maybe going to the finals. It could have been a completely different story. Yeah, that that's a great shout, actually. Um, Okay, let's move on to discourse on Discord. Uh, come join our Discord community, discord.me slash double clutch. Uh, there's been some, the playoff chat is, is obviously flying around at the minute. Uh, lots of chat about the fan incidents today. I, I I was busy all day, but I could see it flying through uh, and I went back and read through it all. And it was a really sort of well-balanced and polite debate from uh, both Nets fans and Celtics fans who obviously have a difference in opinion on on the incidents that went down. Not about the, the bottle throwing, that was unanimously, hell no, that shouldn't happen, but about the the sort of uh, the Kyrie putting his foot on the, the face of a, well, it's, it's a, it's a picture, it's a bit of floor. I've still not seen what the big T is. 
Um, but we have a home court channel as well, which is lots of people talking about their returns to the court following COVID. Um, we've got lots of niggling injuries. Last time you only spoke about prehab, uh, some of the ones we've seen have been like giant blister balls under the arches of feet because the socks being worn were not good enough, quite frankly. They were, there was a public uh, opinion taken. They were terrible, terrible socks that person that, that Ross wore. Um, we had some, you know, generally some of us in there, like me, are older. So when we go back and play, we are hurting for days afterwards. Uh, Kirk went back last week. He's still in pain now. Um, the best one was from a young guy in there. This made me laugh. He, he strained his neck. This is Theo theory. Strained his neck looking at the rim. But how? So have you got any advice on avoiding injury uh returning to, to play? I think I think uh the, the the biggest thing is just to don't don't overdo it. All right. Like this just get back out there and, and, and ease yourself back into it. Okay. There's no you know, it's not you're not gonna build a Rome in one day here. So ease yourself back in, make sure you get a good stretch and a good warm up before so that that you're all loose and, and ready to go and and uh, I don't know. I don't know what to. My advice. I can't tell you not to look at the rim. I don't know how. I don't know how he pulled off that injury. But that sounds like a weird. I, I one. mean, to be fair, I haven't checked. I'm assuming he was looking up at the rim, and it wasn't just some kind of a feat of athletic explosion. And he looked down at the ring and cripped his neck or something. But that's, it is mad. I've got to admit, you talk about easing yourself in. I, I went back and played for the first time a week ago Thursday, and. Uh, and the, the the coach, the guy running the session, who I do know, um, made in the warm-ups made us do like uh, two-footed squat leaps like across the court. And I was just like, man, I can't do this. I, I've not done anything <laughs> over a year. And now you want me to do this? Like, I was absolutely blowing before we'd even started scrimmaging. It was absolutely mad. So, yeah, I, I'll go with your advice and ease, ease yourself back in gently. Exactly. Um, we've, <laughs> we've had a, a few listener questions in. Uh, we've had one from Rich Barrett. Uh, last Tuesday night, a phenomenal tweet from UK Sixers uh, that he'd had his pregame nap and was ready for the game, only to discover he was 24 hours early. Uh, what have you been ridiculously early or late for in the past, basketball or non-basketball related? Oh, um, I mean, I, I, I've been late to a few practices uh, over my time. Not, not, not many, but a, a couple. Uh, I remember back in, in university and in college, uh, I overslept, uh, one day and I was running from my dorm to the gym. And I just remember the, the pure panic and fear, because if you were late to anything, it was, you were doing 17s or suicides to, till the cows came home. So, uh, you never wanted to be that guy who, who walked into the gym after everybody's already out there on the court, you know, doing, doing drills or, or running through sets. So, um, that's probably, yeah, that's probably being late in college. And, the, and I remember just running through campus with the, the fear of God running through my, my veins. <laughs> did, did you ever have like a coach who would punish the rest of the team for your mistake? Uh, well, yeah, that was so that it. Was cut it wasn't deeper. just me. It was like the whole team would get on the line. So then, you know, you'd have an angry coaching staff, but then you'd also have, you know, 12 other or 10 other guys on the team just looking at you like, uh, you piece of you know <laughs> yeah so. I, I remember a guy turning up to we had an away game at uni and he got lost on the drive there don't know why he didn't come in the team bus and he turned up at half time and it was just it was just an absolute shambles um 
basketball related, I can't think of anything non-basketball related. Uh, <laughs> I've been ridiculously late. I, I, it took me 14 years to propose to my fiance. So uh, <laughs> she's going to love the shout out there. Um, <laughs> Matt Hardy, UK Nets fans. Uh, my local news agent has two, yes, two magazines about tractors, as well as uh, multiple fishing, cycling, and true crime magazines. Why is Slam Magazine not available everywhere? Is print dead, or is there an audience for a physical basketball magazine? Now, you've been in the UK for at least 13 seasons now, coming up for 13 seasons. Um, Obviously, I don't think there's the same problem in Canada getting hold of a basketball magazine. No. uh No. And it's funny because it obviously we're on the road a lot. So we stop in a lot of the, uh, the motorway, um, services. And every time you go in there, there's like a WHS Smith or whatever they're called. And I've never seen so many magazines. Like they always have so many magazines here. So obviously print isn't dead, but it's, it does, it does boggle my mind how there's, there is no basketball magazines over here. I remember when Slam Magazine first came out. I think it was 1994 or 93. And I actually have uh, the first five issues. Um, nice. My, my folks place back in, back in Canada because I was, you know, that was right when I was first getting into basketball and, and the magazine had just come out and it was like the coolest thing ever. Obviously this is before social media and everything. So this is kind of like one of your major news sources for, for basketball back then, you know, and I just remember waiting every month. You, you I couldn't wait to go in there and, and get a new magazine and check out the new stories and see the, you know, the latest sneakers, the latest gear. It was just, it was, it was culture building you know i think slam magazine that in the 90s was just one of those one of those things that every basketball kid had you know we were were all about it now saying that we're in a completely different time now you know i i can't remember the last time i bought a magazine um and you know if i follow all the slam social channels you know i'm on slams instagram all the time checking it out that way so it's a tough one. I think, you know, the print industry on the whole is probably taking a big hit over the last 10, you know, 15 years. Um, but there, there is, there's something about, you know, get, getting that fresh magazine and cracking it open for the first time and flipping the pages. There, there, there's something, something to be said to that. Call me old school. Maybe. I don't know. Not at all. Uh, I think, I think the first slam one I got, it, it might've been the 10th, installment it was the one with scotty pippen on the front sort of just like with his arms folded at a slight angle and i just remember just like oh this is this is just amazing uh there was a there was a british one briefly called xxl and there was a weekly weekly newspaper called uh slam dunk or something like that which covered sort of the nba and europe uh european basketball but um I don't think XXL made it much past 1998. I remember having all of them. Slam, I would go to WH Smith in my local town multiple times a week waiting for the new issue to come out because I didn't trust how often they got them in or anything like that. And you'd get like two copies and you just literally have to just snatch it as soon as it arrived because there'd be at least three other guys who, who liked basketball in a town of, what, only 70,000. There was still like an appetite for it. Um and I, I kept reading Slam till November last year when my subscription ran out and they I didn't realise it was running out and they didn't remind me and it just sort of lapsed and I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> that's it, done. Uh, I could renew it, but I now I'm just, I just haven't bought one since. And like you say, I, I follow it on the socials. Um, 
it was a fantastic magazine. It's just like everything. I mean, you know, people used to buy newspapers every day or, you know, at least a couple of times a week. And now it's just, you know, you wake up in the morning and you, you know, check Twitter or check whatever your news sources and everything's in the palm of your hand. So instant. Yeah. yeah. They really had to change the way they, they operated as a magazine. Um, I like you, like just open it up for the first time, go thumbing through all the pages. And I used to like, uh, take the slam up out and my, my, teenage room like had posters everywhere like on the ceilings uh it was just yeah had the, the double page fold out one right in the middle yeah you yeah i know i had those. to debate what side to put on oh who, who's going up this week oh, yeah. yeah they were the, they were the, those are the good old days um we've had quite a few questions in but i'm conscious we're running long on time so i, I might have to park them for for next week um we did have another one from Richard Fang going back to the the Heat and the Bucks. Um, what do you think the Bucks' chances are in future playoff series? Do you think do you think they're do you think they might squeeze past the Nets or is it is it this their last this I, I think, season? I think it's gonna be a great series. Uh do I think that they're gonna be in the NBA finals? No. I think Brooklyn's gonna be there. I think Brooklyn just have too many pieces. Um, and you know, the biggest piece being Kevin Durant, like, you know, the guy is, the guy is absolutely unstoppable. And even if he has an off night, you know, you, you've got a cast of other guys that will, will step up on that Brooklyn team. But that, that is my, my series to watch in, in, in the second round. Uh, you know, I think that could definitely go to a seven game series. Yeah. I think it's, it's definitely one to watch. Uh, I, I agree with you. I don't see them getting past this one at all though. It's this, I think this is the end of the line, which is a shame. Um, I think that sort of does it for tonight then. Um, so thanks to everyone who has watched tonight on, on, uh, YouTube and Twitch, uh, shout out to, to, uh, the people who joined discord this week. We had a few drop in there. Um, Fezzer springs to mind. Uh, if you're not already, please make sure you're following us at Double Clutch UK, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, you name it. If you can if you can search at Double Clutch UK, it's probably going to land on us. Come join the Discord, discord.me slash Double Clutch, twitch.tv slash Double Clutch UK. Thanks to Mike for joining us. Uh, people can find you at MikeTuck15. Obviously, you've got the three-on-three training camp this week, so best of luck with that. You've probably got an early start tomorrow. Do you have yeah. you got any idea what the the the, uh, the sort of the week's plan is going to be? Is it just yeah, uh, it's um, there'll be twelve guys there, um, and then uh, we're doing two sessions a day, two two hour sessions a day. So it's going to be it's going to be pretty intense. I'm assuming most of it will just uh, you know we'll be going over the tactics and the, and the different stuff, and then they'll be trying they'll be trying out different. Um, different lineups so they'll be flipping us on different teams and see who works well with each other and 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 who doesn't and then maybe installing a few plays so i'm super super excited about the whole process obviously julius joseph is has just been named the coach um and you know i battled against him for years in, in the bbl and he's a he's a he's a british basketball legend and you know obviously started out the uh i think what is it ball out three on three. So he's got quite a bit of experience in all this. So I'm looking forward to seeing him and talking to him and learning from him and, and just seeing, you know, how this whole process goes. Awesome. Uh, best of luck with that. We look forward to seeing you in Birmingham in 2022. Actually, if for anyone, 
Yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, there were, I, got, I got the press release through the other day, so if anyone out there listening wants to be involved in Birmingham 2022, they're looking for 13,000 volunteers to be sort of, I guess, like the, the 2012 Olympic Games makers, you know, to help everything run. So if you want to help Team England, that's weird seeing England after Team GB for all these years, uh, but if you want to help them out, go and check out their websites. You can find it. I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, Mike, best of luck with the training camp. I'm sure we'll speak to you soon. Uh, and we'll catch everyone else next week. Thank you.